0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. Happy Wednesday. I hope you guys are having a great Wednesday. If not, the week is almost over, so we will get through this together. As you can tell by the title of today's episode, you guys, we are talking about the Delphi murders. And this is a pretty well known case for people who are in the true crime world and who like doing research on true crime and like learning more about cases. I would say that this is one that is pretty well-known, but for being so well-known, I feel like whenever I look into this case and I'm looking for updates, I just seem to always stumble across the lines of like, we're one step closer to figuring out who did this and we're one step closer to closing this and we're so close to figuring out who is responsible for this and that is mainly why I wanted to cover this today because I feel like the more we talk about it, the more this case gets out there, the closer we are to finding the person responsible for doing this. So the murders we are talking about today occurred in Delphi, Indiana, and Delphi was and still is a really small community, very, very tight and close-knit with a population of about 3,000 people. Definitely an everyone-knows-everyone type of town. So 14-year-old Liberty German, who also went by the nickname Libby, and 13-year-old Abigail Williams also lived in this town. The two of them attended the same middle school together, they were in 8th grade and they quickly became best friends. The two of them were on the same volleyball team in school and Libby was described as a very outspoken, very smart, outgoing young girl. She was known to be very shy to, you know, the people that she didn't know. But as soon as she knew you, she was just like this burst of light. And Libby actually wanted to be a scientist when she grew up. And Abby, on the other hand, was a very, very creative young girl she loved loved reading and drawing and art and she just loved any way that she was able to express herself creatively. So on February 12th, 2017 is where we are starting this all off. So let's talk about February 12th, 2017. So on this day, Libby and Abby had a sleepover. They didn't have school the next day. It was kind of like an off day for them. So they decided that they would have a sleepover together. So the next day, February 13th, when they woke up, they decided that the two of them wanted to go to the Monon Bridge Trails. It was a nicer day outside for it being February and the girls had really nothing else they wanted to do that day. So that's what they decided to do was they were gonna go to the trails. So Libby's sister Kelsey dropped off Abby and Libby at the trails at about 1.35 p.m. that day. So these trails were very highly praised by the people in Delphi. It was and pretty much still is a very very special place for the people there. The bridge itself at the time it was very high. It still is very high. It was about 63 feet high and it was actually illegal to walk across the bridge because of how unstable it is. There's a lot of missing parts in the wood and it's all kind of disintegrating and deteriorating. So it's actually illegal to do it. But even though it is illegal, people still, you know, would go up and walk the bridge. And that is what Abby and Libby did this day as well. So when the girls got out of the car, when Kelsey dropped them off, they began walking the trails. And this was 2017, so not too long ago. And both of the girls had social media. They both had Snapchat accounts. So naturally, as most people do, Libby and Abby started snapchatting their time walking through the trails and at 2 9 pm so a little over a half hour after the girls had been dropped off libby had actually uploaded a picture onto her snapchat story of abby walking along the bridge and this picture was the last picture ever taken of either of the girls so alongside the picture that libby took of Abby, Libby was also recording her and Abby's conversation that they were having. Now, at first, the conversation starts off pretty typical. They talk about school and their friends, what they like, what they don't like, teenage stuff, but then they start talking about how they were kind of getting a creepy feeling from this man that was following the two of them. And they said that this man was creepy and that they were feeling uncomfortable. At 3 o'clock PM, Abby's father called Abby to tell her that he was on the way to pick. Her up and told Abby that he would meet her where the girls were originally dropped off at. So he was coming to pick up Abby and Libby, but Abby actually never answered her phone. So her dad called back several more times but was met with Abby's voicemail with each attempt that he made. Their family started getting concerned, but no one was too worried just yet because of the reputation the town had. Like I said, this was a keep your doors unlocked, everyone knows everyone kind of town. So everyone thought that the girls were safe, maybe they just lost their phones, or one of their phones ran out of battery, or maybe one of them slipped and fell, or maybe they just got lost in the trails, because these trails were very easy to get lost in. There were multiple different entrances and exits to get in and out of the trails, and things weren't exactly very well kept. There was a large, there were just large areas throughout the park that just had wilderness and forests not everything was trailed out and not everything was kind of, you know, it wasn't like one trail throughout the whole way through. Basically, there were large areas of wilderness and forest that it was easy to lose your way in. And what's crazy here, though, is that Abby's dad actually showed up to the trails to pick them up. And when Abby wasn't answering her phone, her dad got out of the car and started walking the trails. And that was at about 3.14 p.m. Libby's Snapchat that she posted was at 2.09 p.m. So that's such a short amount of time, from the time that Libby and Abby were last seen to the time that Abby's dad showed up to the trails and started looking for the girls as well. It's a very short window of time. And it wasn't until about 5.30pm that night on February 13th that Abby and Libby were reported missing. Their parents started to worry because it was getting dark and they thought that they should just get the police involved to be safe and hopefully find the girls as soon as possible. By 6 p.m., those trails were flooded with people searching for Abby and Libby, but unfortunately, their efforts left them with nothing. Everyone had kind of made a collective decision to go home and get some sleep, and as soon as the sun started rising to come up and start looking again. So everyone left the trails, and then the next day on February 14th, the bodies of Libby and Abby were found on a private piece of property about 0.6 miles away from that picture that Libby took and posted of Abby on the bridge. Their bodies were found on a piece of property that belonged to a 77-year-old man named Ron Logan and this piece of property wasn't just like you know someone's backyard or something it was a very large piece of property and so that is where the girls were found and so obviously because that is where the girls bodies were police initially looked into Ron Logan and Ron said that that night he was driving around and then went to a bar to go have some beers and then ended up coming home later but the thing about Ron is that he was actually on probation he was on probation for driving without a driver license. So going out and getting beers and driving around were in violation of his probation. So he actually ended up getting arrested and doing a little bit of time for that. But as far as being involved in Libby and Abby's murders, his alibi did prove to be true. So police pretty much just dismissed him from being involved in the case as we know of. And I will get into a little bit more as to why I say as we know of as we continue. So at this point, everyone who lived in Delphi was definitely feeling unsettled in the town that they used to feel so safe in. No one had any idea as to who would do something like this and why someone would do something like this to Abby and Libby, innocent 8th grade girls who were just out walking the trails this day. No one could understand it and wrap their head around it and people really started questioning everything they knew because again, 3,000 people is such a small town and a small community and if everyone knew everyone, then someone knew who did this. So police were able to recover the girl's cell phones and specifically Libby's was very important throughout this case and they found multiple things on Libby's phone that have really helped pave the way for this case and the first thing that they found was a recording of the conversation that I had mentioned earlier. um, The one that Libby and Abby had talking about the things that they like and didn't like and then continuing to talk about the creepy man that was following them. When police continued to look through Libby's phone, they found a picture of a man who police and everyone believed to be the suspect in the girl's murder. And the police actually ended up releasing the picture on February 15th. The picture was a screen grab from a video that Libby had taken on her phone. So they took a screen grab or a screenshot of this specific part of the video and released that picture to the public on February 15th. The man in the picture is wearing blue jeans, a blue jacket, and a brown hoodie sweater sure underneath it. This picture has been widely spread throughout the case so again if you know about this case and are familiar with it then you know what picture I am talking about. The quality of the picture isn't great though and it's really grainy and it isn't very high quality so you really aren't able to have a good look as to who you are looking at. And according to the FBI and from Libby and Abby's parents, they've been told that the picture that is released to the public, the very not great quality one, is the best quality that they can get of this picture. They said that they have tried multiple different large outlets to try and improve the quality, but it just won't happen. The police also released a small audio clip found on Libby's phone from a video, but it was just the audio. And in this clip, you hear a man saying, quote, down the hill, end quote. And people and police have put two and two together and have said that the man in the picture that was taken from the screen grab is the same man that is ordering Libby and Abby to go down the hill. So those are the only two things that police have released to the public, but there is a lot of information in this case, and I mean a lot of information, that the police are withholding from the public that they are keeping very private. Um, And their reasoning for this is to have control over the situation, in a sense. They don't want the person out there who did this knowing how much or how little they know about the situation, because we um, we will get into it a little bit later about the characteristics they are saying this person has. So there was actually a witness who was also on the bridge that day than Libby and Abby were, and this witness was a woman who has remained anonymous, and she was able to work with the police to come up with a composite sketch of the man who police believe murdered Libby and Abby. The sketch shows a white man who had a little bit of like a short, scruffy beard and was wearing a hat at the time, not like a baseball hat, almost like a flat top hat. As far as the cause of death for Libby and Abby or if there was any sexual assault, that information has, again, not been released to the public, so to me that shows that police are really trying to keep this under wraps because in most cases you do hear about the cause of death, even if there isn't a lot of information. Most times in a murder case you do learn about the cause of death, so the fact that police aren't really disclosing that information um, shows that they are really trying to take every measure that they can to keep that private. So that is basically the case. Like that is what we know. That is the information and I know, trust me, I know it's frustrating. I know you want more. I want more too. Um but we do have a couple theories to go over. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. The first theory that I want to talk about is a theory that basically says that Abby and Libby were murdered by a man named John Miller. Now, John Miller is a man who also murdered eight-year-old April Tisley in 1988. John Miller lived only two hours away from Delphi, Indiana. He lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and like I said, only two hours away from where Abby and Libby were murdered at the time. A lot of people believe that this is just way too close for comfort for John Miller who is a brutal murderer to be distance-wise from the girls. If you are unfamiliar with the April Tisley case, it's one that is definitely haunting and extremely upsetting and disturbing. Basically, John Miller raped and strangled April Tisley and then wrote haunting letters different places about how he killed April Tisley and would kill again. He did this all the way up until the police caught him. April, Abby, and Libby were all young girls, so they kind of all fell into the same category but a lot of people question this theory and don't really believe it to be true because when police first arrested John Miller, they went to his house and they asked him, do you know why we're here? And John responded with April Tisley. And a lot of people believe that because the Delphi murders were much more recent that he would have said the Delphi murders or Abby and Libby instead of April Tisley. Police have not really said anything about John Miller being connected to this or not. They haven't said if they found any DNA at the crime scene. They haven't really said anything So they've really just been keeping their mouths shut. The second theory, um, this one is a little bit touch and go. Um, This one talks about a man named Daniel Nations. So Daniel Nations, similar to John Miller, also lived only two hours away from where the girls were murdered. If you look at the composite sketch um, and you compare the picture of Daniel to the first composite sketch, it is almost scary how similar these two look. Even Daniel's wife came out and said that the sketch does look similar, but she doesn't believe that Daniel would ever Ever do something like this. Daniel obviously insists that he would never do something like this. He says that he has children of his own and would never kill anyone else. But Daniel Nations has a record for not registering as a sex offender and for public indecency. Daniel was also willing to give his DNA to the authorities. So if he gave his DNA to the authorities and nothing came of it thus far, I personally don't believe that he is really the one that should be looked at here. I feel like if he gave his DNA, if there was DNA at the scene, maybe there wasn't, but if there was, like again we don't know but if there was and it was a match i feel like we would have heard about that by now this case would have been closed by then and then the other two theories in this case are that these girls were murdered by either someone that they knew or someone that they didn't know that this was an act by someone random or an act by someone that they knew and trusted The police released a statement about, quote, be careful what your kids are doing on the internet, and this made a lot of people question if the girls had possibly been stuck in a catfishing situation. If you are unfamiliar with what catfishing is, it's when someone pretends to be someone they're not on the internet. There's a whole show on MTV about it. It's a really popular thing that a lot of people do, unfortunately, so some people believe that the reason that the girls wanted to go on the trails that day was to meet someone they had been talking to online. However, Abby and Libby's parents are pretty sold that this theory is not true just because of the way the girls were dressed they were dressed very casually according to their parents their makeup wasn't done their hair wasn't done they were wearing their typical clothes it just didn't seem like they were going off to meet someone it didn't seem like they were trying to impress someone So then this year, actually, in May of this year, there was a little bit of a twist. In May of this year, there was a news conference held by the police department and a new sketch was released of the suspect that the police believe they are looking for in this case. The description of this man is a white male believed to be between the ages of 18 and 49 years old, but he may appear younger than his actual age. With this new sketch, which, by the way, looked very, very, very different from the first original sketch, it took the original sketch out of the picture for what the police thought they were looking for. During this press conference, police also talked about the characteristics of this alleged murderer. The police say that they believe that this was someone who currently or previously lived in Delphi, someone who works in town or visits on a regular basis. The police went on to say, quote, we believe you are hiding in plain sight. Maybe you're in this room we likely have interviewed you or someone close to you, end quote. They believe that this man is someone who knows the trail that the girls were on, someone who walks the trail. They said that the idea that a random person would just so happen to be walking down the track and stumble upon Libby and Abby without ever being there before is very slim. Police have said, quote, you are hiding in plain sight. An advocate for the missing and exploited children said it's likely that, quote, the killer is very close to the investigation and is likely trying to take the temperature of the investigators to determine what they know and how hot on his trail they are, end quote, which also circles back around to the reasoning as to why police have kept their mouth shut. It really seems like they believe that whoever did this really could just be over their shoulder at any time, someone that people would mistaken to be easily trusted and someone you wouldn't expect this from. From So they're always keeping their guard up on this. In the press conference, police also played a part of the video footage found on Libby's phone that the screen grab was taken from. It showed the suspect walking on the bridge where the girls were last seen. Police asked if anyone recognized the way the man walked or his mannerisms or anything to report it. And I watched multiple interviews with um, Abby and Libby's parents and their family and things like that. And I think the overall frustration that they have, obviously, is they don't have answers. But more so, they truly believe that someone out there knows something. It is such a small community. And, you know, it's just inevitable that the person who was responsible for this most likely disclosed the information to someone. And even more so, from that picture and from the footage and from the voice saying down the hill, someone knows who that is you know someone knows who that is there is a picture of this person and they are still not able to find them and i truly believe someone knows who it is and they are afraid to tell someone whether that be because they don't want a target placed on their back or they're close to this person and don't want to believe that they actually could do something like this I don't know, but I do know that someone does know something, and I know that's such a cliche thing to say in the true crime world. It gets said all the time. Someone knows something. Someone knows something, but here, someone knows something. We have a picture. There is a picture of this person. It is a 3,000 people populated town someone has seen this person someone knows this person and i really truly hope that whoever that person is comes forward and i hope that there is new information and hopefully we are able to bring answers to this family all right you guys that is it from me today thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of killer instinct i hope you enjoyed it Again, if you have not already, make sure you go ahead and hit that follow button. That way you never miss an episode. If you could also just go ahead and leave a review, that would be great. I would really appreciate it. I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Killer Instinct. But until then, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Have a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe and I will see you next week. Bye guys.